welcome to Graphic Policy Radio. This is your host, Ilana Levin, a.k.a. Twitter's Ilana Brooklyn. And this episode of our podcast begins a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Actually, I just learned an amazing story, which was that uh, a group of students actually got to see the original Star Wars movie in the theater with Allen Ginsberg and William H. Burroughs. And apparently at the end of the opening crawl, uh, where, you know, it's like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, as soon as that line goes past, Ginsburg said aloud, oh, good, now I don't have to worry about it. And what made me think about that was how, if that's just not true. <laughs> it is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but boy, we all do seem to be worried about it. Star Wars is just a juggernaut of modern culture and society, um, myself being on the borderline of millennial and Gen X, like Star Wars was my childhood. Uh, I think I dressed up as Luke and literally every photo taken of me below a certain age. I collected the Star Wars characters, action figures, even though my mom took their weapons away because violence is bad. And um, yeah, it was a huge mark of our childhood. And now it's also a huge part of an entire economy that sprung up around it, as well as a lot of really active fandoms, um, both in the forces of good and in the forces of evil. And so we're here tonight to talk about the most recent Star Wars movie, Star Wars colon The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, this episode is going to be just 100% spoilers because you're going to see the movie or you're not. And um you know, I understand wanting to listen to a podcast about the political subtexts of the film, even if you don't plan on watching it. But like, chances are you're going to watch this movie. So here on be spoilers. And from here on be my amazing co-host for the day. Joining me is Portia Patterson Hurst. Portia is the public opinion research associate for the Opportunity Agenda, a social justice communications lab in New York. She consults with allies in the field to identify and obtain pertinent research needs in the areas of immigration, criminal legal reform, and poverty. She's also the director of strategic partnerships for Black Girls Create and volunteers with the Harry Potter Alliance and co-hosts Castle Black Pod, which is an awesome Game of Thrones podcast. Portia, welcome to the show. Thanks. So glad to be on here today. I'm glad we had the excuse to do this. We, we teamed up around Black Panther Fan Activist Con and hadn't had a chance to uh, team up again. So this is exciting. It was like a yearly thing. So I'm, I'm with it. Yes, there you are. And joining me for the first time is uh, Raphael Shimonov, who is an artist and political activist from Queens. He was a HIAS refugee as a child from the Russian-dominated Uzbekistan. Shimonov serves on the executive board of Jews for Racial and Economic Justice, is co-founder of The Jewish Vote, and has worked with, if not now, Michael Moore and the Center for Constitutional Rights. His work has been covered by Rolling Stone, Newsweek, The Washington Post, Now This News, and Haaretz. He also just got Ellen DeGeneres uh, like actually held to account for siding with George W. Bush recently, which is an exciting moment. But I do want to shout out particularly the moment uh, in which Raphael and I both sang the Imperial March at Republicans <laughs> who were going to a fundraising gala in New York on Star Wars Day. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was special. <laughs> it was like you and me and my baby brother who used to steal all my Star Wars action <laughs> figures. And um, there's, there's video of this, I think. But um, They were literally going into an old battleship, right? 
Yeah, they were going into the dark lord. The, they were to, to 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 worship the dark Sith Lord, and um, and it did make me think. I feel like we should just sing the Imperial March at fascists more often in protests. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me for this show. Um, this is a really exciting team up, and I want to start by just sort of asking, like. And I think this is a bit of a specific question with Star Wars. Uh, did you enjoy watching the movie? What did you did you enjoy enjoyed watching it, Portia? Um, sure. I enjoyed um, like things going boom and mm-hmm. being light or being dark or uh, that sort of thing. The movie, like, as generally just like oh, like as, as an experience to go out to the movies and go see a movie, which I don't do very often. Um, it wasn't like I didn't feel like I wasted my time or money going to go see a movie, and that movie being this movie. Gotcha. Raf, what about you? I I did actually until like the more I thought about it, the more upset I became. Uh, <laughs> Same. I actually, yeah, I enjoyed like I enjoyed being put in another world successfully, and like all of the 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 just like everything about it especially how they brought back things but then thinking about things and actually logically going through things was very challenging for me it was almost as if like an artificial intelligence wrote the movie uh where it just like introduced uh certain things that it'll know uh it'll get a rise out of me and then not actually explain it or have any kind of logical basis did your but your daughter had a great time though right she loved it. It was our first uh, Star Wars in the theater together, or even her first Star Wars in a the theater. Oh, wow. You know, the thing that it really made me think about is, you know, when I was a kid, like, Princess Leia was this huge revelation, but, like, I didn't even want to be Princess Leia because she wasn't the protagonist. You know what I mean? And, like, kids who were sort of, like, really like, not going to care about being or performing as an assigned gender role, like you're still going to just be like, well, I want to be the protagonist. And I'm, ha- having Princess Leia be there at all as this like essentially self-rescuing princess who was just completely game-changing was still huge, especially for girls who might not have considered being, you know, Luke Skywalker in telling their own stories. But being able to be a kid now and have Rey and the, the narrative is telling you that like, yes, she's the center of the story. Like that is a really big thing. I don't know. I might have the uh, most outsider of perspectives in this as I like did not get into Star Wars. Honestly, truly did not get into Star Wars until Rogue One came out. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Like I've had friends who were very big Star Wars people um, like as Star Wars was happening like this, the prequels came out and they yeah. were like, oh, you definitely have to see like the older ones and then maybe that'll get you into it. Did not care about any of them. Um, <laughs> and then like I've my husband is a Star Wars person, so he's loved. He loves them. We have to go see everything, which is fine. But I literally was not nothing really captured my attention plot wise and like kind of took me on the journey until I saw Rogue One and I was like oh if all the movies kind of get on this range maybe I'll go with it and they don't and so like <laughs> after seeing like all the other I've like I so I finished Rogue One and then went straight into what is it a new hope what it leads into yeah that's true yeah um and so I went into that I went in that order I went through the original order then I went through the prequels um and even in going in the order and all the hype that I had for Rogue One I literally just like I treat all the other Star Wars movies the same way like they don't capture me like even like the Mm -hmm. latest one they don't capture me in the same way that Rogue One has so in watching it in the theater I was like sure it's fine it's great 
You know, it's interesting. Rogue One, to me, is like by far the great, the greatest of the Star Wars movies from the relaunch. I mean, I, I recorded literally two full-length podcast episodes about how great Rogue One was. Like, so much amazing storytelling and political work in it. But I definitely enjoyed... Um, the Last Jedi, uh, the you know the, the 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 Ryan Johnson, you know the Last Jedi, and obviously like the first, the original three movies were like my childhood, right? Um, but uh, like, but I, I don't know. I guess to me, I I, I I I entered the movie theater this time, having heard not really that much in the way of spoilers, but having heard. Um, all of the critics that I knew being really disappointed in it, having a lot of feminists being like, this movie is really bad. Me, therefore, being like, oh, I'm sure what's going to happen at the end is going to be Kylo, Ren, and Rey together in some way, because that mu- that would be the thing that would get people really upset. Also being pretty convinced there was going to be like a literal like look to the camera and say no homo moment from the obvious couple of Poe <laughs> of of Poe and Finn but um I mean in in the end like some of my worst fears were realized and many of them weren't it was kind of more of a mixed bag and the whole thing was entertaining enough that I'm sitting in my seat and I'm enjoying it I mean I'm, I'm feeling you know I'm feeling like energized and intrigued and I'm enjoying things you know it's not till the very end that you're like oh my god where the hell is Rose Tico and it's not till you begin thinking about it in a more critical light of like oh my god Rose Tico is missing because an organized group of like anti-women fascists protested and demanded her be taken out of the story then you're like wow that really does hang a uh a damper over this movie from like an artistic and creative st- and like from a political standpoint. I mean, this movie could have really benefited from the wisdom of a brilliant mechanic who like would have represented the every person kind of voice because Rose isn't from some magical Star Wars family. She's just a member of the rebellion, like kicking ass and being strong. And we didn't get to have any of that perspective and we didn't get to have any of that representation because, and it's literally because fanboys complained. That is why Rose Tico is in less than two minutes of this movie. It's kind of incredible how they just so blatantly were able to do that and uh, what it, what it actually means because I mean, like the other thing that I really picked up on was how uh, just like Rose, uh, Ray was also like not, originally like bestowed with like some sort of bloodline that made her powerful that she was an example of like how anyone could could like achieve kind of you know the force and in that in a good way or jedi and then how they just completely took that away and like hey surprise she's royalty (laughs) but um Mm -hmm. so like it, it, it kind of like the whole thing kind of like took back like stepped back a lot of things from the previous and yep. I, it was that a commercial decision if so that's really really sad i strongly suspected as a commercial well with rose tico we know that that is a commercial decision that was driven by organized hate mongers with making ray be a palpatine that's more of a mixed bag i think i can't quite literally say we can tie this particular artistic choice to this particular outcome. Like I can imagine J.J. Abrams being the kind of guy who likes to have power be bestowed hereditarily. I mean, after all, he literally gave his son a job writing Spider-Man at Marvel with zero <laughs> qualification. But I, 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 but again, like my expectation of how that would be handled was so low going into the theater. I was relieved that it wasn't that like that Ray wasn't literally like the child of. 
um, Anakin or something. Like, I was relieved to find, like, having her be a Palpatine, at least (laughs) you have a message where they're saying no one is born evil. You know, just because your dad is evil or grandpa's evil doesn't mean you're going to be evil. But it would have been way better if she'd been as as she'd been written in the Ryan Johnson version of the movie, it would have been better to have her be a nobody. I absolutely agree. And more in line with that wonderful ending with like, mm-hmm. uh, just like, oh, those are, who are, who's that fleet? And I forget what the line was. It was oh, incredible. it's the best. That's not a Navy. That's just people. <laughs> I want, like, the, I, I know like Star Wars protest signs are seen as tacky by some people, <laughs> but like, to me, that's like the Star Wars protest sign from this movie. That line is wonderful. I loved that, it so much. Mm-hmm. I loved like I, I think that the the sad thing about it though as well was um, people keep talking about and I love talk I love uh, being on Twitter and seeing people's reactions on Twitter um, talking a lot about how the how it doesn't make any sense how we have uh, that large group of people amass um, magically whenever Lando goes against them but like for whatever reason they weren't available whenever Leia called out to them in the last movie. Mm. Um, and I wonder a lot about that. I'm like, where have these people been? Cause like after watching the movie and then like the people not appearing whenever they were called, I was wondering, I'm like, what is, is the rebellion just this like ragtag group of people? And I, I think that's my main issue with the movies is that, um, I feel about the movies and, Granted, like Star Wars is not my, my primary fandom, but my one of my primary fandoms is Harry Potter, and I feel about the Star Wars movies the way I feel about Harry Potter movies, wherein they just have a lot of plot that they cannot fit on the screen, so they end up like making a story out of what story they can make a story out of when it's like a like a huge epic they're trying to pull a story out of. Um, and I wonder a lot about the people, like who are the people who could be part of the rebellion but aren't, and like. Who received the message the first time around? Mm-hmm. Why did this whole like large like people navy come out of nowhere? Where were they before? Did they just not get the message? Like, what's going on with that group? And I wish we knew more information about that. Like, had that perspective presented to us. I feel like that had also the markings of like a Disney AI type of writing because it was just like every great movie has that surprise. A, a group of people joining out of nowhere and it's completely illogical how they appeared but in this case like there's so much story before then that had to explain that and didn't mm-hmm. can we i mean while we're on the subject of illogical groups of people i mean this, this is really like because honestly it bothered me the whole time in a movie when it happened every single scene who were those sith in the freaking auditorium or the stadium okay. while palpatine was i was like what the are those and my husband's theory is that they're clones but i'm like what is going on what is this that's a good theory your husband's theory sounds pretty legit i also think it's a question of like they could have been projections they could have been forced ghosts of past sith lords you know like it or or they could have been sycophants who just really wanted to be sith and were just like people who had terrible values you know it I, i don't know it could be it could be definitely any any number of things I did like the visual of um, Snoke having literally just been grown in a vat. Yeah. And you just see this pickled Snoke body. Cause and there were like three of them. There were like two more. I was yeah. like, oh, like, it could be another Snoke in a minute. Beyonce, you know, like. Apparently, you in a minute. <laughs> Apparently the yeah, economy I mean, is really bad I, because now they're like putting multiple Snokes in, in one can. Oh, God. I mean, I, I like this. I like the subtext of like, we're just going to manufacture other just like evil dudes because they're just a dime a dozen. And like, he doesn't have some great big mystery and he's not some amazing guy. I just cooked him up in a lab and he's just literally a puppet of evil. Yeah, he just is like, he's like, he's no one special. 
Yep. Yep. I mean, the whole puppet metaphor was really strong around, and I, you know, I, 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 you know, there's things the movie just did do good. Like, I, you know, I thought the puppetry metaphor around um, what you have with Palpatine's return was, you know, really powerful. He's showing all of these people think that they're going to actually be able to control the empire, and he's behind it, and he's like the puppet master. But then you look at his body, and it's revealed of this horrific machinery behind him. He can barely keep his own body animated, and the idea of like, you know, of the of it literally being an, uh, Palpatine returning in the end did have like a particular sort of, you know, in every generation, like from a sort of like Jewish perspective <laughs> for me, like, ah, yes, the specific in every generation, you have to remember that the cycle of evil could repeat itself and da 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 da. So I, I had no problem with that choice. I am not convinced that when they entered the new trilogy, people were like, oh yes, Palpatine is back. Um, because they certainly didn't seed Ray's origin that much, but the decision to have it be Palpatine is back, I think, is a reasonable thing to say about the way, you know, some of these cycles are hard to end, and that these fascist evil motherfuckers never fully go away. I didn't love it because I think it kind of had the opposite effect for me. Like, mm. like Palpatine, you're they're, they're evil, and I get it. Like the evil of like um, the same kind of fascism or whatever, and the same kind of like logic, like. Um, for like, and you know, the main series doesn't make a lot of illusions of the um, of Nazis for the order and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if that's the illusion of like these are like fascists and they are extremists and this is just like who they are and they have a command where they're just like taking over the universe. Um, for me, it didn't really hold that same kind of like you don't have to have the same literal evil every time. It always does like it mis- it represents itself differently each time mm-hmm. to me. Like people, I think that's how people get signed on to it because at first they're coming into it like it's not the same old thing. You know, <laughs> this is this is the new kind of fresh kind of fascism. Like get in with the group, join the bandwagon, and it's it's uh, whenever they're in it longer, they're seeing it actually being the same old thing. But it kind of like appeals to them differently, which I guess is kind of. If you have Snoke as the, like, mouthpiece, I guess it did present itself to them that way. But it still kind of was, it felt kind of like a cop-out for me a little bit Mm. that it was the same old person and not some new person with a whole different, like, thought exercise about how they're going to do the same thing. It's a a really useful parallel when we watch on on social media or anywhere where people uh, come upon a new fascist and when other people raise alarms, frontline communities raise alarms, they're like, well, this person's different because that's not exactly the same as the last fascist. So it's this constant game of like, every fascist has to be exactly the same for us to learn about fascism and prevent it. Well, I, one thing I loved, actually, was the whole Hux being the traitor thing and that he was entirely motivated by pettiness. And, <laughs> but also by, like, I think there was a split between, like, the people who are sort of the religious fundamentalists, spiritualists, like Sith people, and the sort of people who are part of the machinery of the fascist state. And that discomfort with each other, like, is something that you've seen, right, in actual, like, we saw that, like, in the actual Third Reich, you had, like, some people believed in weird witchcraft. I don't want to call it witchcraft, but, like, weird mythology and other mm-hmm. people were like, uh, we just want to steal Jews' money <laughs> and kill people. Right. Um, and so, like, that weird tension, and I was like, that, that rang true to me, and I was glad it wasn't a leader of the fascist defecting because he was great. It was, like, literally just petty, and that felt very believable to me. Yeah. I love I love that. I was, like, seeing, like, the inner, like, if we were, if we were going to keep with, like, you know, the 
um, Third Reich illusions or whatever. Like it's like seeing Goebbels and um, the other like first command like being in their own little petty squabbles with each other rather than it yeah. being like um, some like oh no it's a redemption arc which you know we get from another character and it's like I don't want redemption I just want them to be the awful people they are so tell me your thoughts about the redemption arc of Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo uh yeah I <laughs> it's, it's so sad it's for me that this is what we got because of the whole like I understand, like, if we're going back to the, like, question of, like, is it a commercial decision? Was this kind of, like, something that they saw a lot of people who are consumers might be interested in? And then they, like, kind of gave in to that thought. Mm-hmm. I can see, I could see that they did that, but I don't understand why that was a choice. There were people who were also called, called in for Storm Pilot, and they didn't do that. And that's yep. the worst thing to not do. There's actually set up for that. There's also chemistry mm-hmm. between those two people. Um, and there's not... But in my in my perspective of that, it's like an abusive kind of relationship. Um, and he had plenty of times where he could have chosen to be um, taking the road of, to redemption, and he did not. And then to kind of put it onto, well, his mother passes away, and then he kind of gets a change of heart, perhaps her change of heart or whatever, because she's passed away. Um, so that makes helps to make him Ben to identify as Ben, who she made him, rather than Kylo Ren, which is his own imagination. And now he's going to be better. I just hated. I kind of it was great. I just I was just like I just was kind of resigned in a theater. Like sure, fine, great. Mm-hmm, yep, yep. <laughs> but it's just like how many mistakes and how many evil deeds and how many like planets destroyed can one like white dude get away with? And then the moment he shows. Like, not even regret, because I never saw regret. Nope. But, like, more like, hey, I like this better. <laughs> and then everyone's, like, cheering at, like, this person's change of heart. I didn't see any regret or real change of heart other than just changing his actions. But not ever really redeeming himself, not ever really going through, like, realizing what he had done in, throughout his life uh, at all. Yeah, I agree with you there. And my theater, we literally booed when they kissed. Like, my booed. <laughs> wow. Not like theater. every single person rang out in boos, but like the, I heard boos throughout the audience around that. And that was the only thing that got boos in the whole movie. I heard people, I heard a couple of people clap. And then I think because it was like probably like two or three people. And then because I heard the rest of the crowd not clapping, they got, they stopped really quickly. <laughs> oh, and I was like, so that is, this is, I don't know who these people are, but if we, if I found, if I saw you clapping, I would be giving you a devil, like the evil stare. Like, what is wrong with you so many people clapped in my theater and that might have to do with how there were like visible trump supporters in my theater cheering uh that but also cheering the rebellion like the you know the resistance like not knowing that dude this is about you (laughs) like i'm not this is not you're not the resistance here but that's like plays into the like underdog thing right yes oh absolutely I mean, that's one of the challenges with Star Wars is like you have these signifiers that are so broad that people who it's clear if you understand the text are absolutely the bad guys still can't see that that that's them. Like they don't have the are we the baddies, you know, revelation because like the thing is, there's there's bits of that around the edges, right? Like you do see stormtroopers going and ripping children from people's homes in this movie, but it's all just hit on so quickly before jumping around to the next thing that it doesn't even get a moment to sit 
and be like, look at the empire doing family separation, <laughs> stealing children, you know? Um, and it, it's just, it's like there and it's gone and it's there and it's gone. Um, but then at the same time i think that that's why i feel like i wish we could see more about the people like just like just general people thing because i think that a lot of people put on this like in real life they put on this air of like well it doesn't it's not me i'm not the one going and literally ripping people's children from their arms and i'm not the one who's doing these things and if it's being done and i'm not the one who's the first on the, the on the first point of contact for that then it's not my fault and then actually being actively talking against it could be an issue because then people in my community will look at me funny for being an activist about it so i'm just not gonna be active about talking about it and i'm not gonna like be feel bad about this being done because it's not me it's kind of like removing themselves from it in a way and i think that if we saw that it would kind of give us i feel like it'd be a better introduction to like what is the what is your role as a general person in this system Mm -hmm. yeah we needed more of that. And we had hints of this with, for example, when they come across the other group of former stormtroopers who had run off and deserted. And like, they meet Janna, who is like the first named black woman in Star Wars of the main trilogy. Like, there was the woman, you know, Thandie Newton, who gets like offed in, um, you know, solo. It's just ridiculous. But like, you know, you meet Janna and you meet the other stormtroopers who've broken off. And it's like, it could have been this. And it was the beginning of something really awesome. And and I, you know, it would have been, how cool would it have been? And this is some, somebody said this on Twitter, but like, how cool would it have been if they had, if they had said, oh, we heard about Finn and like how he, had, how he had abandoned and joined the rebellion and we were inspired. And I mean, there is something cool with having them just sort of realize themselves on their own, which is sort of how I felt in theater. Like, oh my God, they like came to their, the stormtroopers came to this conclusion themselves. Like, this is ridiculous. We are defecting. Um, but it, it would have been also, you know, another way to really expand on the importance of Finn would be to have the other stormtroopers sort of realize that. Um, I don't know. That was that. There was like some. There was something there that they could have done more with. Or like someone else has mentioned on Twitter, have Finn's plan to be to get all the all of the troopers to rebel and not yeah. just you know like he be like he hear from Jenna that like there is a small group that did it and he'd be like if a small group can do it I can spend my time here trying to get the rest of them to do it you know yeah that would have been so good oh my god him, him going to chase off after Ray to save her in a circumstance where he actually could not have been helpful in the slightest. And then just scream a lot. Was, <laughs> yeah. It was very frustrating. I, it was. It was. I, I will say that his the the opening scene of him and Poe in the Millennium Falcon, just like in their their space battle escaping, was fabulous. Mm-hmm. It was really really well shot with and their their chemistry with each other is so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their dialogue with each other was so good. It was such a sheer pleasure to have Poe and Finn in that little space escape going back and forth with their banter. Their banter is always so good with each other. And like, I, you know, as a result of them having such amazing chemistry and Oscar Isaac's clear and expressed decision <laughs> to play it as a romance, which he will tell you in every interview. Um, I, you know, I, I had entered the movie theater thinking that in order to counter this, Disney was going to like literally have them look into the camera and be like, I'm sure glad I'm straight, heterosexual, (laughs) high five, Uh look at the camera, no homo. And the thing is, I think that Disney thinks that they did a no homo, but like to any kind of vaguely sensitive audience, it's very clear that there is nothing contradictory to them being in love in this final story. Like, 
oh, we meet Poe's ex, so he sort of is flirty with. Yeah, that happens. We have messy breakups <laughs> and exes. He used to date a woman. Yeah, so did a lot of us, right? Like, or also, it's okay. like, what is yeah. who, their sexuality can be many sexualities, like where they yeah. can like be into any but, gender. Like, it doesn't matter. But yeah. I feel yeah. like that's actually pretty crafty of like them because it's giving. It's like a Bill Clinton speech where everyone is in the room getting what they need from it, and it's completely mm-hmm. different conclusions. And Bill Clinton yeah. said one thing and it's just like the same kind of crafty sneaky kind of writing that is going to let different audience members walk away with what they want to see like and then what you said about how these interviews and this is a theme with this uh, film in particular there were so many interviews that I went back to look at where they were promising so many different things that it's becoming very clear that they did walk back a lot of things that might make it controversial on Twitter because of those mobs and the toxic mobs. Like there was this statement, I forget who it was, but it was very clear, for example, that Rose would be um, much more uh, integrated into into the film and, and key to yeah. to uh, collaborating with Ray, and then it didn't happen. And then there was another comment on an interview where uh, there was going to be this big like LGBTQ kind of uh, confirmation, and and instead and we got like just two people yeah. like celebrating like they do in New Year's anywhere who could be straight or gay or what. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's just like it seems like like I said in the beginning. Like, it's just like some asshole AI wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, am, I am proud of the fandom for not letting, like, this throwaway kiss between two basically unnamed women characters in the background be regarded as a, as a, as a victory. Like, the media, who, the, like, the, 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 the non-fan-driven media has tried to make it a thing, and fandom has been like, no, this is not representation, this is nothing, this is crumbs, fuck this. You know, and I'm very proud of people for standing by that. But I, as I watched the end of the movie, I thought to myself, you know, in 30 years, if the world is still standing, any kid who's watching this conclusion of the film is going to be like, oh, and Finn and Ray and Poe got married and lived in a triad and it was really sweet. Because <laughs> like, because it's all in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's sort of like it's the heterosexism of society at large that sort of makes you read things in a, partic- in a particular way. But you're right. I like the, the Bill Clinton speech metaphor is is quite amazing. I um the th- the thing also at the end that I just I really was Portia. I was hoping that you could tell me some thoughts about was like when you have Lando having his conversation with Jana, who is the woman who is the like the lead former st- stormtrooper who helps them, um and is like the only black woman character of significance in these in these last three movies. Um, like when you saw them talking, like I, I, I felt like this feels like something and I'm happy about this. Like I it was, are they going to have a spinoff where, um, you know, she and Lando are going to go and find her family together. I, I, I felt like it was like, I don't know. I, I felt big to me, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a black person. Who the fuck am I <laughs> to project the significance onto it? So I, I don't know if you have thoughts. Yeah, I kind of wanted to, I just, you know, I see this whole series and I want to see spinoffs for almost everything that I feel like I didn't get enough of, right? I want to see Rose Tico go on a journey and um, figure out what to do, like, after everything is over and, yeah. like, to do, like, kind of grow after her sister's death and how she reconciling with that and where's her family, you know, like, what is, who's out there, who's left after she loses this major person in her life, Um I want to see that. And then, like, with the Jana Lando conversation, like, I 
again, being the kind of like the perception I have of watching the movies and kind of like not being like awed by them. Like I did really enjoy the points whenever Lando came in, but they also felt very like few and far between. So it's very little like lead black character, like discussion and like stuff going on because he was like very, like very little, like in Mm -hmm. the series. Um, And so like seeing him like, seeing him again in this I enjoyed the little scenes that he had and then um, whenever he stopped to talk to Jenna I was like okay this is going to be an interesting conversation we finally have the two black characters together to have a conversation um and they talk about um and you know not like Finn because Finn is you know like these are two side characters it's and that's an interesting thing too like Finn I think I think that I wish the conversation had been between Jana, Finn, and Lando because those are mm. like Finn is also a former stormtrooper and he also has family that may still exist and he just doesn't know. Um, and I'd want to see um, a spinoff with Finn, Jana, and Lando in discussion because I feel like there's I want to know what Lando's background is that he feels like impacted enough to talk to Jana about having this journey and about about helping her and others like her to find their families and it kind of feels like a um like lindo's offering himself to kind of be like um lewis henry gage jr like finding your roots like he's offering this to janna and um other stormtroopers i love that what did you guys think about the revelation that poe had been a drug runner before he joined the rebellion yeah, I feel like it's it was it was just like very heavy-handedly throughout the whole movie trying to make that point that no one is beyond redemption, um, which is a powerful point if made correctly. Um, but sometimes it's made like you know sometimes it's made in a way where it it just allows like this kind of instant forgiveness uh, versus like accountability. Mm. I know that like. Um, DJ Benjamin, who is one of um, the runner, like he runs for all nerds, he co-runs for nerds with uh, Tatiana King Jones, and mm-hmm. I have the Castle Black podcast on there. Um, I know that he felt a way about it. Um, he was like, oh, "Okay, because kind of like a." They did not thinking about the overtones of like making the Latinx man and a uh, drug runner. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "Oh, yeah, that's an oversight." But it was also kind of like, so kind of like, I don't know. I'm kind of aware of like, okay, that might be a missed like thing that they should have thought better of doing. But at the same time, they did make other characters like Han Solo, like he smuggled a bunch of stuff too. And I'm sure some of them were drugs. So I wasn't necessarily like put off by it, but I also was like, it is again, it felt like a a, just a throwaway kind of thing Mm -hmm. rather than making it like a full conversation about different characters stories and backgrounds and i don't think it really added anything to the conversation like he could have just been this could have been a group of friends that he fell out with for some dumb thing or whatever a while back it didn't necessarily have to be because he was like smuggling anything at some point like find another plot line for your main characters <laughs> it yeah. felt like it was just for a joke yeah <laughs> I mean, did you feel what did you feel about them having zori just be in a mask and in a uniform the whole time it was great mask outfit by the way it really was well designed um 
I am every time they invent a new female character I'm like great there's a little bit more of this or that but actually I'll tell you the, my, the new character that I feel st- most strongly about I'm sure is not going to come to surprise to anybody but Babu Frick is my <laughs> oldest friend and I would kill for Babu Frick like I haven't been this taken by a puppet since the introduction of Gritty. <laughs> and granted, Gritty was pretty recent, but like, I, um, I, like, I really love a lot of Muppets. And, um, you know, I was so taken by how charming and adorable and well-performed Babu Frick was that I didn't really think about it too much until... Uh, I, I mean, I actually, no, I did think about it at the time, and yet I was still so, so, so overwhelmed by the cuteness of Babu Frick that like I was thinking about... You're having C-3PO, who is basically a person, mm. having his humanity being ignored for the sake of using his translation skills and risking his conscious, his cognition, risking his mind, um, you know, saying, like, look, we have to hack into your brain. We think we can bring your personality back, but it's possible we might not be able to. Please sacrifice yourself for the greater good pressuring C-3PO into doing it and then rather than like letting that have gravity having it being undermined by the instant hilarity and adorableness <laughs> of Babu Frick who is my oldest friend so I don't even know how to feel about that because I feel really strongly about the importance of like treating droids as as, as, as people basically in this context um, and I love Babu but that was kind of troubling what do folks think? For me I was just like uh, reminded of like the importance of like tech workers and in, in like resistance, right? That was, yeah. that's what he kind of represented for me. And it was like the singular vision, like skilled person at the, you know, who's able to kind of shift gears quietly behind the scenes that like we're trying to build here today where, you mm. know, if, if we had enough of them wake up, they could stop like deportations, they could stop child separation, they could stop mass incarceration uh, or sl- even just slow it down when things go uh, a little bit, uh, <laughs> when they start to like realize uh, and actually have leverage over policy. And, uh, and for me, he was just like this little reminder of how uh, of how you could do it. But I didn't get to the point where I'm uh, like feeling I think I was more distracted at that moment by just again through the whole film not being able to simmer on anything where a profound thing happened and then we just move on to the next or it's like nullified by a, a joke or something yeah I think it's sort of like a fetch quest at times, the way it feels, like, from a video game standpoint. Yeah, and it was unfortunate, because I feel like there are a lot of points where you could have just sat there and been, like, resonated with what was happening. Um, Even meeting Jaina, I feel like if they just kind of, like, if we just had a little bit more time to kind of get an understanding for, like, what was going on, like, I just... So for this instance, whenever C-3PO, like, we kind of, like, disregarded his humanity or droidanity um i think that it was kind of like it just didn't i understand that he annoyed i don't i felt when i didn't feel like they were the group to decide it was on c3po to decide whether or not he was going to do it like consent but also like they're not the group that's been with him since the beginning of his journey like that was leia mm-hmm. that was luke right. that was han and i know i understand that they're gone now but that also it's, it's, it didn't really 
of course it was a group that was with him for the least amount of time that was ready to just say lay his like thoughts on the table because they hadn't Mm -hmm. gone through those journeys with them so I kind of like took that being the like thing of like they don't really have a connection with him in the way that like he's been connected to all his life and they don't know all the journeys that he's been on and they should have respected that um, and they didn't and that kind of but I understood that they wouldn't understand it because they were not with them. So it's kind of like a tangled edge. Like I get why they're doing this. Like it's within character, but it's also awful and crappy that they're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope people sort of have that realization as they watch and think about the movie, but you know, a really wonderful tender droid moment was when you had BB eight, you know, BB eight watches um, Ray use her powers to heal the giant serpent, which also feels like super biblical. And then you have, the BB-8 goes and uses his little powers to zap the little sad droid who looked like a smoke detector slash mouse <laughs> back to life. Oh that's my droid gosh. is called oh, D-O. D-O. Oh my god. And then He's that's so, so that's the, you know, the, the tiny little sad droid who like, when people approach so it when people approach it it's like no thank you bye and it's like it just conveys <laughs> everything about like an abused pet mm-hmm. that's so scared to like interact with people but he's clearly this droid he begins to heal and do better you know and yeah i'm so glad they rescued this droid but um i just thought it was really nice that bb8 rescues rescues it and like you know it was like learning from from ray and and goes out on a limb to try to save this tiny little vulnerable creature who ends up you know being a, a, a you know part of of saving the day as well mm-hmm. Um, but is also a smoke detector. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, you know, actually another quick bit of, I guess, of, I don't, this, this is probably CGI and not Muppetry, but the, uh, when they go to the Burning Man planet <laughs> and you see a play, again, more examples, like not just a play, I think it was like a puppet show yeah. because of all the puppet metaphors, a puppet show about, I, 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 gosh, I should have checked to see what the puppet show was about, but you see some children of that particular alien species watching a puppet show, mm-hmm. and you get to see these little children laughing, and it just really suddenly gives you into these stakes of how important it is for this planet that our heroes are visiting to not just get blown up by a Death Star in the process of them just being there, you know? And, like, that planet is it, because our heroes visited it is like yeah it's good it, then it gets targeted by this by the stormtroopers i guess for me that that moment was sitting with my daughter during that moment she's 10 recently and like i often just like disregard a little bit when when fandom goes really hard on like canon and things like that and uh but it kind of like made me a little understand it a little more because that was like this obviously maybe some sort of oral tradition uh, being conveyed to the next generation and these kids are having a great time watching it and then just like watching my daughter watching that and just realizing Star Wars is part of a oral tradition and now understanding a little bit more of how people are on, on the ones that are on the justice side of it are actually like really concerned about like the things that get conveyed uh, to the next uh, generation, I mean, even if they don't think of it that way, if they're thinking of it like as protecting what they found or what changed the way that they're thinking about life. Like I actually like had to pause and just be like, oh, wow, you were kind of a dick to people who, <laughs> who are really taking this very seriously um, because part of it is. Yeah, I was talking, like, so I've, um, 
my because I was having the same complaint with my husband about like oh the movies I really don't like I only love Rogue One what's going on so I've been watching like we've been watching The Mandalorian and he was like oh you should also we should get into like the animated series you'll get it you'll like those to kind of bit, have a bit more depth and stuff to them um they're good yeah we started it today started with clone wars the and like the more animated one and then um i'm gonna work on the actual like 2d one soon um but i was looking at the and watching these like series and trying to get more of the canon or whatever i was having this like thing where i was just like annoyed that there's a lot of like bipedal like um, aliens, and I understand why that is. Like, okay, you need actors to play these like aliens, and these aliens have to look like humans somewhat because that's who the actors are. But I'm like, we. Need, I feel like there needs to be better representation of alien of like um, having empathy and sympathy with mm. aliens that do not look anything like humans. And I really enjoyed that this planet was a little bit better represented of like people who look nothing like you, but you need to care about these people. You need to. Care about what happens to them and what's happening here absolutely what did you guys feel about the ending of um you know palpatine being like yes you need to strike me down in anger and then you'll get my powers when you know he probably actually would just take over her body or whatever but like um and then she and 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 you know the question of like there's always some Sith Lord telling some young person to strike them down in anger to come into their full evil Sith Lord powers and there's a question of like is fighting them with violence like actually the solution that they should be doing and didn't she end up killing him through violence anyway so (laughs) but was it just that she wasn't angry enough I don't know I guess I have questions around like the philosophy of the conclusion of the story like how we're supposed to be taking her getting two lightsabers and like forcing an X of power back into his body slash winning a fight. I don't know. Yeah, I, I am trying to understand more about Star Wars. I've been watching a lot of uh, stuff on like the dark side and the light side and like how they work because I, my main argument is I don't understand this whole have to be on the light side and not use any emotion and disentangle yourself with the world and kind of be above it all versus being on the dark side and being a Sith and actually giving like all your giving over to being emotional and using the emotion to do things um, and making it seem as if they like the two cannot be intertwined. Um, And so like whenever... And that's why I kind of, I feel like it was like, it's enjoyable to watch the movies. Like whenever Ray first used the lightning to like take down that cruiser, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought that she was like, I just thought of her awakening a power within herself or whatever that she, now she can reach out and use force lightning. I didn't think anything about like, what does force lightning signify? Is that aligned with a certain group or not? Like I was just like, oh, force lightning, cool. Um, And my husband was like, well, oh no, that shows that she's like, she can be dark. And I'm like, I don't. I don't get it. So when it came down to Palpatine being like, strike me down and that's going to be the way that you take it. I was like, I kind of, I honestly felt like there's, she could have, she could use righteous anger and it still would be the same thing to me. Like, is it, would it not be of the balance? Would you not still be using the force? Would you not be part of the whole alignment? You're not like taking yourself out of the spectrum. You're still within the spectrum of the force. And why don't we see more like gray Jedi or gray, mm-hmm. gray, whatever force users. Um, so for like, for me, like Ray is in the gray and like her taking him out with or without 
using her like she had there's no way honestly there's no way she's gonna be able to get rid of palpatine without using the force so it may as well be like let align herself with the grayness of it all you know it's interesting like i i think that the the prequels which i like didn't enjoy but understand certain things about um you know the prequels and then the most and then um the last jedi both were movies that were like Ask the question of like, actually, maybe the Jedi were kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like maybe the Jedi fucked up the young people in their program. Maybe even though they were well intentioned, the end result was still destructive and hurtful to people. And like being able to crit- critique that system, I th- is it was an important development, I think, for the story. And then to have that get dialed back largely and have it go back to just like the Jedi are good and the Sith are evil is a bit of a is a little bit infantilizing and a loss, I guess. I mean, I, I think one of the things about the prequels is that, uh, you know, the Star Wars original trilogy, right, like, we're, are very much about, here's this hero's journey story that's foregrounded by this one individual person, and it's about an individual person who then, you know, gets his, his you know, Magnificent Seven together, but, like, that bring down an empire, and it's about the strength of individuals to make change. And, you know, the the difference between that and, like, Star Trek is Star Trek is all about systems. It's all about groups of people. It's all about um, developing an order of people and, like, working together and, like, achieving a goal collectively. And Star Wars is much more individual as a story. And then the prequels sort of tried to bring in a little bit more of this, like, systemic analysis. And just they, you know, for a number of reasons, weren't super successful in the eyes of most people of my generation. I get that the kids like it because that was what they had when they were younger. But, like sound it just gets in things it's just not good dialogue and really needs to be forgotten but um and then and then in the current movie is this sort of i think they were it was a question of are we going to talk about groups and systems are we going to still have it just ultimately be all about the individual again um and i think star wars ultimately wants to be a story about an indiv- about individuals and so that's what it does so you know like politically i want to say like i wish the ending had been all about Finn like organizing the or you know working and to organize with the with the 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 stormtroopers to liberate themselves and like the armada of independent soldiers coming in and like but that's just Star Wars just doesn't do that that's just not Star Wars it'd be awesome if it was but it's not I don't know that that my, that was my big meta read of Star Wars versus Star Trek at least. I love it. I actually just imagined like Star Trek institutional San Francisco versus uh, versus like Star Wars Texas style like, happening. Oh so. yeah. <laughs> Which I think a lot of, uh, actually, like, in a gross way, I remember, I think, Steve Bannon praising Star Wars over Star Trek for that very reason, that he saw it as some sort of libertarian, like, uh, ideal <laughs> like versus uh, this kind of thing that still has some sort of, like, institutional, like, sound <laughs> kind of organizing. I can believe it. I, like... I just, I honestly come away from the Star Wars series, like, and I, like, I understand people like have this is like a primary fandom, and people are really into it. Mm-hmm. But I like, I guess, like, being an adult and fully realizing like all the like political aspects of things and being a very systems thinker. Um, watching Star Wars just doesn't do it for me because I'm just like, I feel like they're not, they don't care about the people enough, and where are the people? Yeah. I mean, what happens at the end? You know, Ray collapses the the Sith for sure, and they blow up all of these you know these machines of war for the new or for the for the new order for the first order 
But what happens to all of the evil Nazi commanders who weren't in that immediate location? Like, what what's going to happen with the people who were part of the the fascist apparatus who were not like immediately blown up then and there? You know, like that that that's those are stories that you know maybe this maybe will get told in some other way. Um, but I think that the, those things can't just be forgotten or ignored. Um, I liked one of the things I've enjoyed about Mandalorian, which we're going to cover on the podcast soon, um, was that you do sort of see like yeah. these random pockets of evil assholes, right? Like <laughs> still there, even if they're not being like, it's not like they just disappeared or like suddenly are all, everything's healed. I don't know. Yeah. And I think that like, the, even for like a general overarching kind of thing of like if everyone is very into what's going on with the force like who were the people on the force we have finn who is force sensitive we don't see anything going on with that we'd love to see what's going on with that but what does that mean if the sith are gone they're obliviated palpatine is gone he was the main leading it everything that he was building is gone as far as we know um kylo ren is gone so where's the balance? Who's balancing out the force right now? Is it solely Ray? Is she enough in the gray where she is the balance? And then what mm-hmm. happens when there's other force users who come into their own being and power? And what it's what is that struggle? So I wonder a lot about like what is the story they're trying to tell about like if we're going to talk about individual story what are we talking about when it comes to the balance of the force because they didn't really give us like a really clear idea of like what they feel of what is a balance what does a balance look like in this world right that's a great point and the you know i also like sort of shuddered when i heard the term a force dyad being invented (laughs) for this like i just gave me a rash but yeah i think those are really good questions portia one thing I really did like about the ending, though, was having the closing be um, Ray visiting Tatooine and burying Luke and Leia's lightsaber in the sand. And you have this moment of her, like, sort of sledding down a sand hill. Um, and, like, the first time you ever get to see her really feeling like he has any sort of freedom and childhood as a person is just doing that sledding and then burying those those razors. The, oh, I, I'm cu- very curious who the elderly woman is who asked mm-hmm. her who she is. And I do like Ray taking on the Skywalker name and like sort of how that combines to make it like she's not the last Skywalker because of how she was born. She's the last Skywalker because that's her family of choice mm-hmm. because she's Leia's protege ultimately. Right. Um, and I thought that was that was sweet. I thought that Ray should have walked out with like one name, Madonna, Beyonce status. <laughs> like my name is Ray. I own this now. Before I was upset about not knowing my. I know now. I know what my heritage is. I'm fine. It's cool. I don't need it. I'm just Ray. Simply Ray. <laughs> yeah. I, I. Sorry. What did you guys think of the quick flash to seeing Leia in in the flashback fighting with a lightsaber and training with Luke? Like, I just kept thinking like. If you if you're gonna do that, which you should have done that, like how, we don't really get to have it. There's no explanation as to why. There isn't a satisfying explanation in canon as to why she would train as a Jedi and then not actually do much with that beyond it. It's um, you know I'm glad they had Leia like, use the Force in the earlier movie. I felt like that was really powerful and deserved. But and if it's cool to see her and though that she had a lightsaber, I don't know. Any thoughts, guys? Yeah, my thought was like, like very much like yours, like, hmm, how nice that you added this here when she didn't actually ever do it. Great. Fantastic. I feel like that should have, I'm like, if you're going to do it, do it in like a, like, 
in a series spinoff or something young young princess leia let's do that i don't want to see this um and i also just was like i feel like it was kind of awful to do it after the actress like after carrie is gone because it's like she should have had the ability to do that that's something she earned and it's unfair Mm. that she gets this post-humanist like use of the lightsaber she earned that usage and i don't think it was fair to do that yeah that's legit um i uh you know i think the movie did do a good job of working in the little old footage they had and have it not just like super scream like this actress died before we could make this movie like i feel like they did about as good a job of that as you could possibly do i guess it was very like um fast and the furious post paul walker was like I can kind of see moments where I'm like, you're using mm-hmm. old footage, but other times I'm kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, at least that was how I felt. Um, and it made me really, you know, I just, we really like, for folks who don't know, like Carrie Fisher did tons of script doctoring on all of the, on all the movies that she worked on there. And like, we have the character of Princess Leia is to, like, her credit. Like, she made this, like, important feminist sci-fi hero. Um, and it is it is sort of... It feels weird having her just sort of exist outside of Carrie Fisher the person anymore, do you know? Um, yeah. But you know what I really liked, though? I felt like in this movie, Chewbacca was really given his due respect and that he hadn't really been regarded as a full and equal human before. Um, you know, for, so as others have pointed out, like Chewbacca's race, the Wookiees are much more long lived than humans. So technically speaking, Han was Chewie's pet, right? Um, and I think like, th- and I don't just mean that this was the movie where Chewbacca got treated like an equal because he got the medal finally. Like, I don't think that that was it. I think it was the way other people regarded him and looked to him like a respected elder. Like, I, I felt like it was finally the movie that did that, which felt good. And just like how he was the most human of, of everyone in terms of how we react to people dying. Yeah. <laughs> it was that was incredible. Yeah. That's really true. Or the most chewy. The most chewy. I was not expecting seeing Luke return the way he did. Um Mark Hamill is a ridiculously good actor. Like I always think about him as a voice actor these days because I watch so much animation. But um He's always great in everything he does. It did sort of feel a little bit like J.J. Abrams was unwriting the the power of like Luke's sacrifice at the end of the last movie. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like the Luke character in real life would have wanted to see how to say to Ray, "Hey, snap out of it! Really, like don't don't you're literally doing the thing that I did that turned out to have been wrong. Like don't just be sat on an island alone." Like, it felt very in character, but it was also a little bit like, never mind that movie you just saw by that director you're critical of. I don't know. What do folks think about the way they handled Luke? I'm still stuck on you saying he's a good actor. <laughs> but, oh, you thought it was bad? No, I just mean, I think he's fine, but I just, like, never really was moved by his acting throughout the time. I got distracted. By no, no, no shade. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, people. I've heard people complain, like, oh, he's so bratty in the first movie. And I'm like, yes, he is. He's a whiny teenager. That's the point. That's that's right. what's happening there. Um, it's also, it's understandable that everyone is taken with Han. He he is a whiny teenager because he's a whiny t- teenager. That's the character. Good God. Like, but whatever. Um, I feel like it's the same thing that happened with, like, Hayden Christensen as well. Like, everyone hated him, like, in, like, 
the like characterization of like Anakin and all that stuff, but it's like he also was like an awful a hole. Like that's who he is. This right. is character. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, t- teenage boys, they're sometimes a trip. Really need to be smacked. Yeah. They need to be smacked. <laughs> um, oh, what did folks think about the Knights of Ren? I had hoped that they didn't exist. Like, I know that when I, the first time I ever heard the words, the Knights of Ren mentioned out loud, it had some sort of headline that was like, fan theory says, and I was like, oh my God, this sounds like something some incel boys made up. That the Knights <laughs> of Ren exist. And then it became clear later on that, like, no, they actually are a thing in canon and not just some weird fever dream cooked up by some incel boys. Um, but then they were in this movie and I really was just like, damn, I was really hoping this wasn't a thing. Um, but uh, I did enjoy having um, them get their asses kicked, even if it was brief. I don't know. I, they were a very small thing to me. What, did folks have any impressions around them? I cared who were the guys or people in red whenever he was in Snoke's. Oh, the Imperial Guard. Yeah. I wanted to learn about those people because they were freaking awesome. And I was like, <laughs> I just want to know who they are. And then the Knights of Ren, I feel like I didn't really get to see them doing anything nearly as cool. Um, so, and that's another thing of like a missed opportunity. Like, if you're going to use them, use them. Like, show me they're worth being on this screen. Like, don't give yeah. me like brooding kind of people in masked like military <laughs> uniforms. Give me like some cool, powerful moves. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, I think maybe we, unless folks have other stuff, like I want to sort of conclude with a couple of like big picture questions. Does that sound good guys? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Star Wars is a movie that's come to be discussed in very political terms. We've, we've, you know, the original series itself was about the Vietnam war in a lot of ways, like talking about Star Wars politically is not ahistoric or random, like the Ewoks, we were using fighting tactics that were that at least according to the filmmaker were based off the Viet Cong, you know, like there's, there's, these are always have been political and obviously, yeah, the bad guys are literally designed to look like Nazis. That's a political statement. But um, when I'm looking at the movies now, I have, it's hard for me to not think about it with a question of like, well, what do like, what is the political utility of these movies now? Like, do I think that they have anything you know, useful for, for, for kids. And to the extent that we have this movie that had a, a, a core group of three heroes, none of whom are white men that like kids are going to identify with and like see themselves and see them getting along and learning with each other and being imperfect and growing like that is pretty darn cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for the kids today for having that. But, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like there's a sort of difference where Star Wars is a little bit more focused on, um, individuals, but it is also a s- story about the individuals taking on fascism and winning, um, and that you have to take on fascism regularly. You don't just defeat it once and have it go away. It, ke- it keeps coming back. Do folks have any sort of political feelings about like what the movie means as like for like wh- what is your sort of big takeaway about like the meaning of Star Wars as a story? I, so my takeaway is, I mean, one, my initial fear on this last movie and what I fear might come out of just generally um, is that there seems to be like what I feel like what happens with Kylo Ren's character, honestly, that arc is like, 
it kind of gives the impression of you can be an evil person and do evil things and commit mass murders and be an awful like just be an awful general person and being and still have be okay in the end and still have people um who are kind of like the complete opposite to you embrace you in the end and i really Mm -hmm. hate that message and i Mm -hmm. feel like we keep getting this message over and over and over again and star wars is now doing it too and it's really like it hurt it like really irks part of my soul um but then we get you also have ray who shows that you can go through trials and build up community and make community like work for you in a way that like helps you like understand and grow and like learn to be a better person and also um have trials and not stay on a status quo and not be like maybe that means like you don't you're not a straight a student maybe that means you're not like um the most vocal person in the world but you can still have these journeys and it still can lead you somewhere where you end up being the hero of your own fate and you you're not dictated on by where you started from you end up there based on your choices as you grow as an individual i love that story but i really do have a really big like a fear of what happened with Kylo's story being the overarching end of what this French like what this means for the saga that was awesome thank you Portia like right on (laughs) uh Raf what are your thoughts um I'm a little concerned I think I feel like especially with like the Disney uh Disney coming in and the way it's so commercialized more than ever before, where it's become like the dark side and the light side have become like the Mets and the Yankees or the mm-hmm. Dodgers versus good and evil. It's like I, I when I remember playing the villain as a kid, I was playing the villain. <laughs> I wasn't playing the other side of an issue. Um and I guess like there is so much to say about like teaching people about what something like restorative justice and, and these other things can be and like personal evolution and, and those kind of things. What I can't get behind or like what I'm alarmed by is because of the commercialization of it. And I'm not sure if it's only entirely because of it, but I think so. And also the things that they rolled back in this situation um, that it's feeding this narrative of, oh, everyone's just misunderstood and everyone has a different point of, of view and and maybe maybe the maybe they're just uh, economically insecure or this or that. Like I feel those vibes being reinforced with it, and I think that's primarily because the people, a, it's probably nearly impossible to do art with a giant corporation breathing down your back, one that was headed by someone who was gladly in Trump's council, mm-hmm. advisory council, and he refused to leave, which I think all of us were involved in like pressuring him and yeah. them to leave uh, successfully at, at a certain point. But we had to use uh, Disney's own canon to do that, right? Because it didn't, it didn't align with what they were doing and i don't see how we can continue to pretend that star wars is going to be impervious to that um a because it's a corporation behind it a very big one now and b because the people who are behind it who are writing it who are defending things or not 
are people who don't have almost any analysis about racism or sexism or any kind of like oppression almost at all. These are all typically very often the same type of people in the same echo chamber with the same incomes. And uh, so like that's just really concerning to me that it's just becoming less and less clear um, and more like this this charade that that we're like just another team. Mm-hmm. I, I am so right there too. I um, I, I whenever I see the which side do you choose stuff in ads, which is always for kids' toys and like Happy Meals, like I want to scream because it's not yeah exactly. It's not like are you picking the the Yankees or the Mets? Like this isn't like Beatles versus Rolling Stones. This is are you are are you with the fascists or are you with the resistance? And that's not cute. And uh, I think you're right. It's like a lot of the commercial concerns are the ones that are making them seem evil and equal. But um, wow. I, I want to thank you guys for joining me. This was exactly the conversation that I wanted us to have. Hooray. Um, so let our listeners know uh, where they can find you if they want to find out more about your work or to uh, stalk you on social media, by which I generally just mean Twitter. Uh, Raphael, uh, where can folks uh, keep in touch with you? I'm mostly on Twitter, Raphael Shimanov. Um, mm, that's that's where you'll find me. And uh, that's spelled S-H-I-M-U-N-O-V. Yes, excellent. And Portia, where can our folks find your work online? I'm on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Portia, P-O-R-S-H-E-A underscore Obvi. Because it's obvious. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for thank you guys for joining me. And of course, as ever, I'm on Twitter a little too much at e l a n a underscore Brooklyn, Elana underscore Brooklyn. As I said, we will be covering Mandalorian soon. I'm also going to have stuff on Watchmen, and my view for Vendetta episode will be coming up shortly as well. Uh, Graphic Policy Radio. We have been working on improving our audio quality and tightening up our editing and making the best show we can and so if you enjoy us it would really be great to get a couple of new reviews on our itunes um soundcloud stitcher uh spotify whatever platform you use to listen to us rate us give us a review and it helps other people find the show and keeps it active so as we say at the end of every episode keep it geeky (laughs) 